and welcome to series three of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women from diverse backgrounds and perspectives in science and technology. Usually, our conversation gives us insights into some fascinating innovations, but we also get to relate. Here on Innovation, I give women a platform to be heard and seen because this exact conversation is in video format on YouTube. And honestly, every single episode is inspiring and uplifting because we hear about what they've learned along their life's journeys, both personally and professionally. At the end of each month, I'm going to do something different, and it's inspired by Whitney. Whitney is an A-level STEM student who reached out to me through my website and she wanted to ask me a couple of questions about my own STEM career. So I've decided that I wanted to help her through mentorship, but also share our conversation with all of my innovation audience, because I'm sure the questions that she is asking me on this episode are questions that you all have, particularly if you're at the beginning of your STEM career or you're making decisions about your education. So it's a bit of an experiment. I hope that this is the start of many Ask Me Anythings to come, which is what I'm calling this episode. And I look forward to meeting some of you who are making important decisions in your life with regards to STEM. Today we're going to have a quite different sort of format to what I usually do on innovation and um, Whitney you reached out to me by email through my website and um, I think you've got a bunch of questions about careers in engineering and that kind of thing yeah. but before going with your questions do you want to give yourself a little introduction so who are you and what are you doing right now? Right, so my name's Whitney, I'm 17, in year 13, and I currently study physics, maths, and religious studies, Um, and I'm looking for a career in engineering, but I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos, um, researched a lot, listened to a lot of blogs and stuff like that, but I just kind of wanted to get directly from the source, and so I saw you on... um, a YouTube video and I was like oh my gosh I really want to speak to her so I was like I might as well give it a try um and yeah here we are I am also a dancer and yeah that's me cool so you're doing your A-levels right now yes yeah so A-levels in what subjects again physics maths and religious studies okay okay really interesting combination yeah so I mean you can ask me anything you want about engineering and getting into the career that you want and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and also just off the bat like congratulations for having the courage to just reach out to a student (laughs) because I could have done that at your age so (laughs) well done for for having that sort of courage because it does take a lot to 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 do that so I'm really glad we are chatting now and yeah so apparently you've got a long list of questions so let's get to them okay when did you first realize that engineering is what you wanted to do um I think when I was um doing my a-levels my school had like careers days and things like that Mm -hmm. and um they had various companies coming to visit us um, to tell us about what the company does, what kind of qualifications we needed to get into companies like theirs. And there was like a long list of different types of careers and you had to sort of tick um, which ones you wanted to see, I think maybe so that they could get organized in terms of, you know, how many people would come and visit their booth and stuff like that. And I chose a bunch of subjects like marketing, law. I was really into humanities. Like I just, um, I wanted to do something creative, communicative. And um, I went with my dad because it was like a careers day for students as well as parents. Mm-hmm. And my dad looked at my list and looked at all the boxes I had ticked. And he was like, you're not doing any of those subjects. <laughs> 
engineering. My dad's an engineer and he um, has a company and he really wanted his eldest child to go into engineering so that they could take over his company. Mm -hmm. And um, I just found science subjects really intimidating. And um, I had never thought about engineering as a career. And when we went round to the various different companies, um, I thought, well, you know, it does seem really interesting, like innovation and technology and all of that. And I had taken quite scientific subjects. Like I did double science at, a, at GCSE. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I went for the more technical kind of subjects. Um, they weren't necessarily my best subjects, though, but I did go. <laughs> and then I was like trying to figure out what A-levels to do. And I think it was then like knowing what my dad expected of me and fearing that, you know, art subjects were really subjective yes objective I just thought actually maybe I should go into a technical field and I really didn't know that much about engineering I thought my dad's job looked cool but I didn't really know what he did um and then talking to these engineering companies I was like okay maybe maybe I'll actually just focus my direction and and do engineering because dad seems to really think it's a good idea for me and um I remember sort of like my brain just going you're going to go down the science route. Like I, I had such a creative, you know, I, I, I had a creative brain and um, really thought that I was going to do something creative. And I remember making that switch in my mind and, um, and that was it. So once you say, so what A-levels did you choose? I did maths, physics, and I just couldn't let go of, the sort of art so I did uh English literature because I okay, love yeah but I didn't take that at GCSE so it was the closest thing to like performance and poetry and creative mm -hmm. um what pathway did you take so university degree apprenticeships and whatever one you did take which one would you advise and do you have any like advice so I went down a very academic route. Mm -hmm. I did maths, physics, English lit um, at A-level. And um, I then went on to do mechanical engineering at Brunel University. Um, and I chose a three-year degree course. Um, and then after those three years, I went straight on to do my doctorate, which was four and a half years. Um, and it was really, really academic. Um, and since then, I've just actually finished writing my my seventh book, and it's all about engineers and the career paths that they have taken. Um, and there's 50 engineers in the book, and they've all had very different stories across a variety of different types of engineering. Mm -hmm. And um, I really wanted to make sure that all the engineers in the book were very diverse. And what I learned through that process is that um, apprenticeships are just such a fantastic way of getting into engineering. I kind of wish that I had done an apprenticeship because um, even though I'm really happy with my qualifications and I absolutely loved fluid dynamics, um, which I realized in my degree and that's why I ended up doing my doctorate in it. But I think if I had done an apprenticeship, I would have stayed in the industry. Mm -hmm. Engineering is so hands-on and you're not studying all these things so that you can be super like high level IQ. Like you're, you're doing a lot of these studies in engineering because one day you want to go into industry generally. And because I went down such an academic route, I never got the bug for like getting my hands dirty and kind of like prototyping and experimenting and making mistakes and going back to the drawing board and things like that. I mean, we had a module on CAD, but I'm definitely a creative hands-on person and mm -hmm. my studies allowed for that. And now that I've written about a bunch of apprentices, I see that, 
you know, they really get to be in the middle of the engineering. And um, not only that, like apprenticeships usually um, involve schemes where their tuition fees at uni are paid for. And then you do your apprenticeship alongside doing your degree, which is really, really hard work because it's like having two jobs at the same time. But it does mean that by the time you've got your degree, um, you've got three years industrial experience. And basically the company that is funding your apprenticeship, they kind of they kind of tailor make you to be the perfect employee for them. So it often means that you've basically secured your job while everyone else is getting qualified with a degree at university and not really gaining industrial experience. So I think it's really, really important for engineering to, to do something hands-on. And if apprenticeships are not really for you because you want to do something a bit more theoretical, then I definitely suggest um, trying to find internships during your summer. Because that's another thing I've noticed about the engineers that I've interviewed and, and worked with along the way is that um, those engineers that really uh, get to know the industry end up um, having such a fast-tracked career path. Yeah. Because one thing, I um, obviously am applying to, to go to university, but I initially wanted to go to um to do a degree apprenticeship but when I told my mum she was quite like well you're not going to go to university like what's going on you need to go to university um she's quite traditional in that sense um so it kind of scared me and shied me away from it because I feel like it's quite a big leap from being in education all your life to just being like okay I'm going out on my own now so that's given me some security to I can go back and tell her no like I really want to do it so I think right now I'm gonna apply for both and see where it takes me um can I just what advice pardon can I just ask you um what do you want to do with your engineering qualifications do you want to work in industry and if so what kind of engineering industry do you want to work in um I know I want to do engineering, but there's a couple, like, there's a couple fields I like. Um, I like mechanical engineering and I also like electronical engineering. I know there's now mechatronical or something engineering as well. So, but I wanted to start with a general degree and then um, specialise maybe later and go into something else later. Um, and yes, I do want to work in industry. I like being hands-on. So I'm going to apply for university where it's a lot of practical work rather than lectures and stuff like that. Brilliant. No, I just think it's so important. Like if you already have an inkling about what kind of mechanical engineering or any kind of engineering that interests you, like maybe you're really interested in like sports or engineering in healthcare, or uh, you're really interested in cars or planes or, you know, if you already know, the kinds of things that you um, gravitate towards, then I also would highly suggest, or even if you don't know what you gravitate towards, I would highly suggest looking at companies um, and kind of just looking at what companies do, how they do it. You know, like, do you want to be in a career that is having a positive impact on climate change. You know, like there's just so many companies out there doing so many different things in so many different ways. And um, these will be the companies that you will potentially apply to one day. And if you already know what they're doing, then you can already start making decisions for yourself, you know, like, you know, not just in terms of, um, applying to for internships during the summer and during your holidays but also because you know one day you'll be having your first interview with them and if you know all about them it's like really impressive to them yeah and also you know you mentioned something about your mum and her perspectives on university degrees and I think a lot of parents are the same and yeah. to be honest like I was a little bit um, sort of, I had stereotypical ideas of apprenticeships versus degrees. Um, but I can honestly say that 
I just think apprenticeships really end up maturing you a lot faster because, you know, with apprenticeships, you are in industry and you're like earning a little bit and you're having to like figure out how to manage your money and pay for your travel to go to uni. And you do end up going to uni, like you get a legitimate degree. But I think it's so much harder doing an apprenticeship because you're doing basically um, two uh, sort of jobs or you're living two lives in a really condensed period of time. Yeah. So it's it's amazing to me now, having spoken to a lot of very impressive apprentices, it's really um, amazing to me now how much um, bad press apprenticeships get because actually they deserve the opposite. Like, especially for... A, a career in engineering where your ultimate aim is usually to have an impact in industry. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, I'd love to sort of like rewrite the myths, like bust myths about apprenticeships because they're just such a great way um, to fast track your career. Yeah. Um, so obviously I'm writing my personal statement at the moment. So um, I've written very practical stuff. Um any advice on that? Because I find that it's hard to mix in maybe some extracurricular stuff um, along with things I've doing things I've done regarding engineering. So work experience and all those things. I think it's kind of hard to marry them. So any advice? Gosh, it's been a really, really long time since I did a personal statement. <laughs> but, you know, just by the the very name, like personal statement, I think what must be essential about a personal statement is that it really represents you and it really represents your purpose and like I think anyone that has a really clear idea of what they want to do in life and how they want to do it is already winning because um it can take people a really long time to figure out what they want to do. And that's fine. Like, that's very human. Like, we don't, we're not born knowing. Yeah. You know, and often it takes a bit of experimentation and like you'll do an internship and be like, I absolutely hated that. I never want to do anything like that again, which is really useful because you've learned something about what you don't want to do. Um, but if you can communicate in your personal statement a really strong sense of who you are and what you want to do. Um, I think that is the, the most important thing you can do. And that's why people say, you know, do hobbies and, you know, do Duke of Edinburgh Award and like, you know, all these things because they're basically indications of who you are as a person. Um, and I think sometimes it's a bit wrong, upside down because people do, um, you know, work for a charity because they want to show that blah, blah, blah. When actually, I think it's really important that you go and work for a charity because you really want to work for that charity. So if there are things that you're passionate about, explore them and put them on your personal statement you know you mentioned that you're a dancer yeah. you know who knows one day you might be part of an engineering project that you know i don't know is involved in programming artificial intelligence to i don't know teach dancers yeah i don't know right but if you are passionate about dancing, it, that should go on your personal statement because it really describes who you are. Um, and, you know, I think generally employers really want to see uh, focused individuals. They want to see um, people with um, goals and objectives and all of the things that they've done all point to those towards those goals 
Um, employers want to see people with an open mind. I mean, companies are so interested in diversity and inclusion these days. And the reason why they're so interested in those things is because, especially in engineering, we want teams of people that have all kinds of different perspectives. And normally you get those kinds of different perspectives by exploring your own culture, exploring your heritage, owning your experiences, creating experiences for yourself, like either by traveling or learning something new or taking the courage to like do something a bit daring. And like all of these things describe who you are as a person, but don't do it because someone's told you to do it. Do it because you genuinely are following your own curiosity. Because when I look at my personal statement, I just had so many conflicting things and I really felt bad about that. You know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be like going into engineering, but yet I've been doing classical ballet for 20 years. And, <laughs> you know, like I love going to the theatre and I love fashion and all this kind of stuff. And so I back then would have been inclined to not include those things on my personal statement. But actually today, it really shows that I'm a very like multifaceted person. And I think today, multifacets and multidimensions to us um, really is interesting. You know, that's diverse, that's inclusive. And um, passion um, and, and genuine interest in some things also, you know, try and convey that on your statement um yeah I mean if you find yourself like spending hours on YouTube searching for certain things like take the time to stop and go I really like watching anime you know or whatever it might be yeah you know own it because that's what makes you so uh unique and individual and interesting that was really good advice thank you um any advice for women in STEM? Because I am, I'm the only girl in my physics class and also one of the only two girls in my maths class. So it's kind of like, not that it's intimidating, but when I first started physics, because the jump from physics GCSE to physics A-level was huge. I was doing, I didn't think I wasn't academically capable, but I think what I did was because everyone else was really smart, I just felt really intimidated so I doubted myself and I would say something to sad be like oh yeah I know the answer but I don't know if it's right and I'm not really sure um so I'm not going to say it anyways I'm just going to tick it if I get it right or put a little note if I get it wrong and over the years it's changed a little bit um but I still kind of get that so any advice yeah loads of advice on this subject um, I've talked to so many women on my podcast innovation about this because there seems to be a really strong trend um, between um, what men are like in in classrooms and what women are like in classrooms and generally and I hate to generalize this crudely but like generally women are a lot less confident um, and we are more shy to sort of throw our hand up and say I know the answer even though we do um, we'd rather not put ourselves out there and for the risk of getting it wrong you know yeah looking bad um, and <clears throat> I don't think we ne necessarily need to change that um, what seems to be like almost a biological trait so, like, don't worry about everyone needing to know that you're smart. Like, at the end of the day, you are in your physics class and you're in your maths class to educate yourself so that you've got the tools to do what you want to do in life. And so... I guess the advice would be don't worry about what other people think of you stay focused on your path yeah um, because at the end of the day you want to get the best qualifications you can get that will hopefully lead you to getting the best job you can get um and you're doing all of this for like to 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 live out your 
greatest potential. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter if Joe Bloggs sitting next to you knows that you got the answer right or the whole class knew you got the answer right. What matters is getting your qualification at the end of the day and really knowing and understanding what you're learning. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I wish that girls could be a lot more um, self-confident and a lot less self-doubting. Yeah. I wish that for you, for me, because I still have that going on as well. Um, but, um, and so it would be really easy to give the advice of like, you know, be confident and believe in yourself and all that kind of stuff. But it's really hard to do that. Um, and I also think it takes time to get self-belief, but just stay focused on your goals. And when you achieve your goals, your confidence will just build and build and build. And like, don't let anyone's opinion of you stand in your way. Thank you so much. Um, what is one of the highlight moments in your career? So one of the best parts and one of the worst moments in your career? Well, um, okay. So best parts of my career were, I've had like so many beautiful moments. Um, I think what immediately popped into my head, which is probably the most authentic answer is when I was sitting in the cockpit of a P3 aircraft flying over the ice sheet in Greenland that sits on top of Greenland. And it was um, an old World War II bomber plane, but all the old technology had been stripped out and brand new cutting edge technology installed into this propeller plane. And NASA, who own this plane, basically fly a zigzag route over the ice sheet. Um, and they are collecting data about the depth of the ice, um, you know, just so many different types of data about this ice sheet. And they do the same route, zigzag route, every single year covering the same geographic points so that they can track how the ice sheet is shrinking. And the absolute beautiful moment um, when I was doing this report for Al Jazeera America for a show called Techno was, um, you know, there was all these amazing engineers on board. It was an eight hour flight. And um, whilst I was in the cockpit, the pilot kind of nudged me and he was like, look out the window. Um, so I looked out the window. We were only flying at about a thousand feet above the ground. And there were polar bear tracks. And I could actually see like paw prints in the snow. I didn't see the polar bear, but I did see the paw prints. And it was just a moment where high tech, like advanced technology met just nature, you know? Yeah. All about sort of like climate change and, you know, science is very neutral. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't giving a commentary about climate change or like it wasn't political. It was literally just collecting data. Um, and it was just a really beautiful moment that I'll never forget. Uh, so that's probably the best moment. And then the worst moment was... I think, again, the first thing that comes to mind was... When I realized that um, my, it's a really weird thing to say, but like at some point I realized that I was really driven by my ego. Because um, when you're in TV and people are watching you, sometimes you can get like a really overinflated ego. And I was like, talking to various TV channels and, and, and like getting really big for my boots. And I realized that actually I'd lost touch of why I was doing this job. Like I started to um, um, make it about me 
rather than making it about helping other people. Mm -hmm. And it was a moment in my career where I really had to take a step back and just go, hold on, are you doing this because you want everyone to watch you? Are you doing this because you genuinely want to help people? Yeah. um, I had to get back onto the track of wanting to help people and not make it about me. And, you know, working in television, you know, people watch you, you're, you're public. Sometimes my ego can want to like become bigger than it should be. So I guess the low points are when I realize that I'm starting to lose sight of helping people and I'm starting to, you know, I always want to stay humble. And I think low points are when I lose my humility yeah. and I have pull myself back into being of service for others so having a goal to strive to because obviously you talked about helping others has helped you stay humble throughout your career and I feel like that's really important because me personally I don't have like a clear goal of what I want to do um I I don't know how to escape feeling wishy-washy almost it feels like well I know I want to do engineering and I kind of know what branch I want to do but People are like, oh, yeah, strive towards a goal, write down what you should do every day to work towards that goal. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not really sure. Like, and I feel like I feel very mm, like moving, just uh, like following just a group of people just because I'm not really sure. And I feel like I kind of want to break up from that and kind of be like, okay, sit down with myself and say, what is it that you want to achieve? And and I sit there, I sat there for like about half an hour and I was like, well, Whitney, I'm not really sure. Um, so what would you say to that? Because obviously you've achieved a lot. Um, so what was your goal and how did you strive towards that? And what advice would you give to me? Um, I think my biggest advice is um, don't be too hard on yourself because I yeah. um, have increased in clarity the older I've got um and when I think back to when I was kind of your age uh sorry that sounds really patronizing but when I um think back to when I was younger uh it wouldn't have actually been possible to have a clearer idea because um so many years have gone past now where experiences um you know, just, I lived in California for five years. I had to like find a place to live, buy a car, you know, learn how to drive on the other side of the road, you know, like just do a whole bunch of things. And, and, you know, that really shaped me. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, how I could never have known those things before moving to another country, you know? So, Rather than the goal of knowing exactly what you want to do, how about resetting your goal so that it's more achievable? So how about um, sort of, I don't know, writing a list of the things you absolutely don't want to do? You know, like I'm not, I can't handle sort of like blood or like medical things. And so... If I was writing a list about what I want to do in engineering, I would have written, I absolutely don't want to go into the medical field. Um, But I do want to reach a lot of people um, or, you know, help a lot of people or, you know, the thing is about our careers is that everyone can have an opinion. So like when I went to do crash course physics yeah. So many people told me, oh, this is going to be the end of your career because you're basically going from TV onto social media. Like, no one does that. You know, you either stay in TV or you're a social media type. Like, you don't do both. And I remember thinking, well, it's only by doing crash course that I'm going to provide free education for everyone. Um, you know, access to free education in physics. And I don't care whether it's TV or social media, that is something I want to do. Yeah. And so I did it. And it's one of the best things I've ever done. Um, 
And I'm so glad I didn't listen to people's advice. Um, and it's not that I ignored people, but I, I listened and then still continued to tune into my gut feeling on things. Yeah. So when it comes to knowing what you want to do, um, it's totally okay to be wishy-washy or what I would call a bit vague at this point. And also another thing about engineering is you might study um, mechanical engineering, but by the time you get through three years of a degree, there might be like a whole new um, discipline called quantum mechanics or, you know, just, yeah. I mean, there is a discipline called quantum mechanics, but like, <laughs> there might be like some crazy new thing that we don't even have today. Um, and many people that do mechanical engineering or something broad can end up um, going into something else. The other day I did an interview with a quantum analyst who started by doing astrophysics. So, I mean, as long as you're getting a great education in something you love, it doesn't matter about being so specific because that's the whole purpose of life is to, you know, really, as every day goes past, you're kind of getting more and more focused on what it is that you love. Yeah. Um, so obviously you did a lot of years in education as you did your degree and then you went on to do your doctorate. What would you say for exams? Because I'm not a fan of exams, even I'm not bad at exams, but no one likes exams. What would you say tip revision tips also and I'm doing entrance exams for university, so there's that as well. Yeah, um gosh. It's really going back such a long way. Um, but um, gosh, I wouldn't advise anyone to study the way I studied. Um, I was kind of obsessive. Like I would write out all my equations on A4 bits of paper and my entire walls were just covered in all the equations I needed to memorize and all the rules and, you know, first law of thermodynamics and whatever. Um, and I worked really, really hard as in, for me, it was all about putting the hours in. Mm -hmm. um, so I was the type that worked hard rather than work smart. And I guess like today I have learned to work smarter. So I'm a lot more efficient with my time, but back then I didn't know how to be time efficient. So it just meant that I was spending like 20 hours a day working. Um, and so I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't advise you to do that, but, uh, I can give you an example of one of the ways I didn't work smart. So I was the type that just thought that if you're always working, then you absolutely deserve to get straight A's. Yeah. I was always working. And when it came to maths, I didn't just have the textbook that the school gave me, but I went to WH Smith's and I bought like two or three additional textbooks so that I had loads more examples to practice. And I would do all this extra work and I would never, ever check my answers. And it just sounds so stupid, right? But when I did my mock exams, I'd done all this work and like, you know, busted a gut right working so hard and then I ended up getting like a C in maths and I just I couldn't understand why I got such a bad grade I mean some people might not think C is bad but I was hoping for an A right yeah and um and I had to like really sit down and just go something is going wrong here and I realized that I was just doing all this extra work but I wasn't checking what I was doing and so that mock exam really frightened me because I absolutely couldn't get a C if I wanted to go into Mekenge. And um, I completely changed the way I was revising. So I did less, but um, I always made sure that I had to get 100% in all of my 
the examples I was doing, like everything had to be right. And if I had one thing wrong, I needed to go back and understand what I was doing wrong. Yeah. And sure enough, like I got an A, you know, I think maybe an A star in, in maths, got an A at A level as well. And because I suddenly just became smart about the way I was working. Um, now, I don't know how you study and what you prefer. I mean, I don't like writing essays. Like, I'm not really a words person. I'm much more of a numbers person and all of that. Um, but definitely choose a degree that um, force, not forces you, but like encourages you to learn and be examined in a way that suits you because otherwise it's just a drag, you know? Yeah. So you've been working in the industry. So I don't know how long, but you very versed and very researched. Um, is there any gaps in the industry? Like what type of people like are they looking for? Because there's always new things coming about. Um, they say about, I'm not sure the percentage is like 60% of the jobs you'll go into don't even exist right now. But what type of person do I need to, practice and like be and skills that I need to acquire um that the industry needs like what type of new people are they looking for right now I think people well first of all being um female Mm -hmm. and being uh, a woman of color um you tick a lot of boxes that companies are looking for sounds terrible but it's just the way things are yeah So you're already in a really, really good position. Um, And I have seen a real increase in women in engineering and women of color in engineering. Um, And what really strikes me about the women that are hired um, is that they all are really passionate about what they're doing. And I don't think it's necessarily even the fact that they're female or people of color that, you know, seems to be interesting to industry. I think what's most interesting, regardless of who you are, is whether you have a genuine passion for what you're doing. And that I think is across all industries. Like if you just love your job, it is so like infectious You know, people just want to hear more from you and whatever you say, people assume that you're really highly well researched because like, you just seem to get so much enjoyment out of the subject. So they just think, well, if you said that, you probably know what you're talking about because you probably spent hours researching it, you know. So go into something that you really, really enjoy um, and, uh, you know, don't just do, ask yourself, here's a goal for you. Um, ask yourself why you want to go into engineering. You know, like, what is it about engineering that you love? Um, I know some people that got qualified in engineering and then really wanted to go into the marketing side of the engineering company. You know, or like me, you know, loved engineering, loved everything that I did in the industry, but I really wanted to be able to connect people to it. You know, And not feel bad for doing maybe the softer side of engineering or, you know, um, be careful that you're not doing it to uh, impress people or for other people's expectations of you Mm -hmm. because it's genuinely what lights you up. Yeah. Even if people don't think it's like as impressive or whatever, like at the end of the day, if you're good at something and you're passionate about something, you will succeed in it. And that will be impressive enough. Thank you. Um, So that's the end of my more career questions and like academic questions. Um, Obviously, you did a doctorate in computational fluid. I can't say it. I'm sorry. I did try. Um, no, 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 you got there. Computational okay. fluid dynamics. Okay. Um, so I have a question on like what that is and like why you like it. Because I have no clue what that is, but it sounded interesting. So I wanted to ask. 
Okay, so computational fluid dynamics um, is uh, the computer side of predicting how gases and liquids flow. So a fluid is the term we use for any gas or liquid. And um, fluid dynamics is looking at how gases and liquids move mm -hmm. and behave and all of that. And it's really useful to engineers because engineers tend to build things that exist in a fluid. So whether that's, you know, airplanes flying through air, a fluid, or engineers designing and building boats that move through water, another fluid, like usually everything, well, everything we do is designed to be in a fluid in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So computational fluid dynamics was basically using computers to predict the behavior of fluids. And so computational fluid dynamics or CFD um, could show you on a computer screen how air was flowing around an aircraft wing. So the engineers could shape the aerofoil to be much more aerodynamic and use less fuel, less material, that kind of thing. Um, and so uh, CFD software was really useful or well, it is really useful today for engineers just to help them with the design process so that they don't have to build like a million and one prototypes, which can be really time consuming and expensive and put those prototypes in a wind tunnel and test them to failure. Like you can do all of that on a computer. So basically Bernoulli's equation was a, a, a really long equation that um, described how fluids behave like it's all to do with continuity like what goes in a pipe comes out of a pipe but if the pipe changes shape then you know the the fluid coming out of the pipe would be at a different speed to when it went in and so there's like this beautiful gorgeous equation that describes how fluids flow and I was doing my undergraduate and there was a module on thermodynamics and fluid dynamics. Thermo is about heat transfer and all of that. And I just loved the fact that all of these mathematical equations could describe how the world works around us. Like fluid dynamics is used in weather maps. It's used, it was used heavily during COVID so that we could understand how COVID particles move around a room, you know, yeah. on air particles and stuff. So it's really, really useful. I'm so old to the point that when I was doing my doctorate on fluid dynamics, um, fluid dynamics only provided you a snapshot picture. Like it was just a static image. You would say, you know, um, water is going into a pipe at a certain speed. And then you could get the speed of the water coming out of the other end of the pipe as a sort of like snapshot moment. And my doctorate was about turning it from being essentially a photo of what was going on to a video. So what would happen if you adjusted the flow speed going into the pipe? How would that affect the flow coming out with time? So mm -hmm. static to dynamic, dynamic um, conditions vary with time. Um, so like, because I like basically fell in love with fluid dynamics during my undergraduate degree, I was like, actually, I want to do this. I want to delve into this more. I want to do more research on this topic. And that's why I decided to do, um, a doctorate in it. And it took me four and a half years. So, yeah. One thing you, um, mentioned is like the beautiful equation stuff. Um, and I remember in my in my physics class just a couple of days ago, um, we learned about what did we learn about? We were learning about the change or we were learning we're learning about capacitors at the moment and we're learning about how that changes with time when you charge it and you discharge it. And then in my maths class about a couple of months ago, I had learned about like gradients and derivatives and integration. And then seeing that on my physics board and how that relates to current and charge and energy i was just like wow because 
obviously the two subjects link a lot but when he was because some of my some of the people in my class don't do maths and he was talking about it and going through it and I was like wow like when you see how you can use maths to like do real life stuff because I was like when I first started maths, I was like I'm never going to use this like and it's just like another equation like it's just numbers in a calculator but then when you see that it like solves real life equations and real life problems you're like okay this is pretty cool so I was just really in awe of that Spoken like a true engineer. <laughs> Engineers really love the application of maths yeah. and the application of physics. Um, and, you know, a lot of engineers kind of, you know, just find the maths and the physics a bit of a trudge. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you realise that actually, like, this kind of knowledge is relating to real life, it's like, wow. And that is engineering, you know, using a lot of like rules and gravity and the laws of physics to build stuff and like create solutions. Like, um, when was it? I think it was last week. uh, We made a boat and we could see, I mean, this was an engineering society. We had to make a boat and see which one could hold the most um, weight in the water. Um, and like there was all these cool drawings that people were doing and big equations. And I was like, right, so what am I gonna do? So what I did is I was just like, I could waste a bunch of paper and sellotape. I only have one meter of sellotape and three sheets of paper experimenting. Um, I could do a bunch of equations on the board, but really it's paper and sellotape, so it's not going to be realistic. Um, so I was like, let me just go down to the basics. So then what I ended up doing is getting um I'll use my book here I've got I got the sheet of paper and I rolled it into a ball and I did three of those and then I did a little box and I stuck the rolled up sheets of paper underneath the underneath the box um and then what that did is like it lifted up the boat on top of the water surface so that when the things when the weights were going in it was like the thing acted as I'm not a washer accidents, but it just prevented the box from sinking so that that could, it raised the, like the surface level so that when it went underneath, it was like on top. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, but. Okay. That's interesting because when you were talking about that, the first thing that was coming to my mind was surface area. Yeah. Because the larger the surface area Like if you can imagine um, you've got foil um, and you roll it up into a ball and you put it on the water surface, it would probably sink. But if you take that same amount of foil and you spread it out into the largest surface area you have, Mm -hmm. it would float. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think whether you increased its surface area somehow. Did it float? Yeah, it did. Um, I think it was after maybe about 30 weights, it did go into the water. But um, yeah, it was pretty good. (laughs) I'm proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, This week we're doing bridges. Cool. Yeah. What? Pardon? With pasta or? Um, I'm not really sure yet. I might, because each week someone does something that like everyone contributes something to society so that was like someone else's project so this one's my week so um I'm not sure what I want to tell them to use be creative really yeah I've made bridges out of pasta (laughs) yeah any tips um no I mean you know, if you had one long piece of pasta, a single piece, mm-hmm. that would not be as strong as bunching a whole load together. Yeah. So clearly you're distributing the force over, you know, each strand of pasta. Mm-hmm. So there's something in that about like force distribution and things like that. Okay. Because, yeah, like, pasta as a single strand is really brittle. Yes. Bunched all together, it's a bit like concrete. Like, bunched all together, it's extremely strong. Yeah. 
So yeah, something to think about. I'll take that into consideration, pasta. I never thought of that. I was more thinking plastic, paper, but like pasta is an interesting one. Yeah. It's super cheap. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have another question just off the top of my head. What's the most fun thing you've done in your career? Uh, I don't know. I just find that everything I do is so fun. Um, I don't know, like whether I'm talking to a young audience about engineering, that can be really super fun because I get the most amazing questions. I'm like, wow, that's a really mm-hmm. good question. Um, to just meeting incredible people. Um, I guess if I had to talk about one of the films I've done, it would be um, when I was at the Institute of building insurance or something. Um, It was basically in America, in uh, Carolina. And um, they've got this like giant laboratory where they can create um, extreme weather. And what they do is they wheel in actual life-size houses and they subject the houses to hail and wildfires and monsoon rains and hail. Yeah, I said hail and winds. Um, And they try to test these houses to destruction Um, because when people make insurance claims, like if someone says, oh, it was, you know, really the hailstones um, broke through my windows, they can say, well, actually hailstones of that size can't break these windows because we've tested Mm -hmm. things, so they can't claim insurance. So it was just really interesting that engineers could kind of recreate like weather. It's a bit like playing kind of God in some way, yeah. you know. And um, I found that cool. But I mean, there are just so many different things like, you know, one story on climate change where seals were, um, baby seals were being stranded on the on Californian shores, basically, because the mothers were having to swim further out to catch fish for their babies. Yeah. And then the mothers were getting stranded um, out at sea and the babies were kind of left alone on the shore. And so I was with um, a uh, kind of rescue team just trying to reunite them. Mm-hmm. others and things just you know cute and cuddly stories um stories about incredible innovation um I, I i think the nature of my job means that i always get to see cutting edge technology and i think that's always such an umbrella like amazingly fun thing about my job so do you do more like journalism sides of engineering and go around and speak to people and see new inventions or are you more of the make new things and innovation side i'm more of a let me go and investigate what other people are doing um in technology and innovation um because i'm very much across the board um i'm not just engineering anymore i'm like you know science and all sorts um Mm -hmm. and my engineering knowledge really helps me to talk with experts because mm-hmm. I think it's like to be at that kind of expert level, but I'm also just a regular human being that really wants to understand. So I'm able to make that translation. Um, but yeah, I think generally I'm always getting to talk to people that are pushing the boundaries of technology. And, you know, like at the Farnborough Air Show this year, for example, um, I was hosting the aerospace forum at the air show and there has never been an aerospace forum at the air show but it really shows like how things are changing because the air show is not just about planes anymore it's about flying to space so much so that they now also need to include an aerospace forum you know and so i got to talk to like the ceo of airbus and the director of the European Space Agency and like people that are really 
making change happen. Um, and so, you know, I wish I could do all of their jobs. Like I wish I could be, you know, pushing technology at Airbus. I wish I could be engineering at, you know, the space agency or doing something at CERN. But I can't have expertise in all these different technologies. But my job allows me to dip into their world, mm-hmm. find out about it, and then tell everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you wish you, do you prefer doing that over maybe starting your own thing or creating your own thing or finding something out? Like, is there pros and cons to it? I think when I was doing my doctorate, um, I got really, really deep into CFD. Um, you know, I was developing CFD software. Um, I was sponsored by a CFD company. So they were, I, ha- I was based in industry, but I was doing an academic doctorate. So I had the kind of best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was so heavily in industry whilst doing my engineering project, I got a real sense of what it's like to be working on a tiny little aspect of engineering. And it's really essential that engineers like that exist. But what I was really missing was a broad overview of what other engineers are doing and other technologists. And, you know, I have such an obsession about quantum computing at the moment. You know, if I was doing a job in industry, I wouldn't necessarily have the bandwidth to be able to look at what other people are doing. Um, And now I get to do that. Um, So, you know, you can't have it all. Um, But what I'm doing today allows me to sort of dip in and out of all my different interests um, and make it accessible to others because... You know, I've, it's all, I've always been frustrated by the fact that people are doing such incredible um, things in STEM and most of us don't even know what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, that's everything I have to ask. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Yeah. It's been lovely talking to you and very insightful. Like, didn't even struggle because I know I'm quite, I don't know, if someone asks me a question, I'm, I take time to ingest it. I'm like, hmm, let me think about this. And then a couple of minutes later, I'm like, yeah, I have an answer for you, but you're very quick on the ball. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Whitney. Um, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. You've really inspired me because I'd like to be able to um, have more of these conversations like going forward. So uh, you've kind of set the ball rolling um in this whole idea of kind of open mentorship Mm -hmm. um and so i wish you all the best with what you're doing of course you can contact me anytime if you just need a little bit of uh advice or just encouragement or support in what you're doing because it is a really tricky time when you're basically trying to make decisions about the rest of your career Um, yeah by the way it's unrealistic to think that you can but you know i think it's also really important to make smart decisions um because they will shape the course of your um education and career and everything so you know it is really important that you've reached out um but it's also really important that you enjoy this journey of self-discovery yeah so you know your engineering society sounds absolutely amazing thank you so you know enjoy that allow yourself to make mistakes figure things out take the time to like find answers um and you know it will all fall into place just like you know that moment in your maths class where it tied up with your physics class you know the yeah. dots will join okay so enjoy collecting the dots i will hello and welcome to series three of my podcast innovation where we get to hear stories and experiences of incredible women from diverse backgrounds and perspectives in science and technology 
Usually our conversation gives us insights into some fascinating innovations, but we also get to relate. Here on Innovation, I give women a platform to be heard and seen because this exact conversation is in video format on YouTube. And honestly, every single episode is inspiring and uplifting because we hear about what they've learned along their life's journeys, both personally and professionally. At the end of each month, I'm going to do something different and it's, it's, and it's inspired by Whitney. Whitney is an A-level STEM student who reached out to me through my website and she wanted to ask me a couple of questions about my own STEM career. So I've decided that I wanted to help her through mentorship, but also share our conversation with all of my innovation audience, because I'm sure the questions that she is asking me on this episode are questions that you all have, particularly if you're at the beginning of your STEM career or you're making decisions about your education. So it's a bit of an experiment. I hope that this is the start of many Ask Me Anythings to Come, which is what I'm calling this episode. And I look forward to meeting some of you who are making important decisions in your life with regards to STEM. And I hope that sharing my own experiences as a mechanical engineer and a woman who was in STEM herself and still is in the media, that I can help you with your own choices in life. So enjoy. 